Hey, Zach. Hey, Stephen. So, uh... Just for the record, sometimes the low-tech route, uh, the one that does not involve uh, loading Linux onto your Windows computer or rooting your Android phone, sometimes that's the easiest. Okay, Zach, so we have some very exciting news, don't we? Uh, yeah, I guess, probably. There, there are a lot of things happening. I'm not sure which one you're saying specifically is so exciting. The one where you're in Sweden. Oh, yeah. Uh, that. And, and that's great for your education and all, but whatever. What the real importance <laughs> of this is, is that the worrying bugs have gone international. Correct. Yeah. I, I, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the world's best international computer security uh, infrastructure movie review milk politics and productivity and milk politics well it's not international milk politics yet i should probably look up some swedish milk politics stories so in sweden there are alternative milk instead of just using regular milk um, and instead of using soy milk or almond milk they use oat milk and i'm not sure how it's produced if it's the same way as soy milk that they just squeeze it until they have a liquid but that's most coffee shops and um that kind of thing all use oat milk like as a default instead of cow milk or instead of almond milk or soy milk or whatever i think as the default overall actually the cafe that i went to just they they asked me right out hey do you want oat milk but i think generally it's just the default as opposed to soy or almond okay so did you try it did you like it yeah, it's not bad. It's just another milk replacement, so it's kind of creamy. I haven't had it straight. I haven't just drank oat milk, which I guess is the next step, but... All right, well, keep us posted, Zach. We're all very interested. Will do. So, Zach, because we don't know if oat milk is going to be a hidden treasure yet, what is your hidden treasure so far of Sweden? Okay, so um, I've only been here for like five days so i i don't know if i've had the time to find anything really really hidden yet that will come i can i can promise this uh but so far i'm going to go with uh some cheaty hidden stuff uh which is the bike lanes which are hidden in a few ways uh let me enumerate them for you yeah so uh bike lanes are hidden way number one uh they aren't a part of the road a lot of American cities do this, where you just have road and then the bike lane. They're not that. They're off. They are separated. There is grass between the lane and the ro- the road. Uh, that sounds so that's cool. inefficient at best. Why? Well, the point of putting it on the road is that we can just put some paint on there and not have to build more stuff. It's just... Okay, we, but... Because the ro- roads already go where the bikes are going. <laughs> So, so then do we just not need sidewalks? Should people just walk on the sidewalks? Or should just walk on the roads and we should use that sidewalk space? I'm not saying the car should drive in the bike lanes. I just think that we could put the bike lanes on the road and not have them be super duper separate. Okay, so they do do that in, in the middle of the city, but out in the country where there is some extra space. Oh, okay. Between the, the road and property. 
there's separated bicycle paths. Um, Bike lanes in the country in And general. a part of them being, yeah, that's that's also a good thing. Um, so so they're separated, and that's one way they're hidden. Uh, they are hidden from car drivers. Uh, they're also hidden from satellites because uh, they go under the road. If you've got an intersection or a roundabout or something, uh, bikes just don't have to deal with that. Uh, it's also for pedestrian traffic. It's the same pathway. Uh, but it just dives underneath the road. Um, so you can't, for that little bit, you can't see the bike path from above. Uh, so it's hidden in that way. And then once you do get into this city, uh, it's basically just another segment of sidewalk that isn't like super clearly demarcated. Uh, there's there's slightly different pavement, but mostly it just looks like more sidewalk. Uh, so it's <laughs> hidden in that you can be walking on the sidewalk and then be walking in the bike lane and then a bicyclist will come up and ring their bell at you and you'll be like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And they'll be like, it's cool. You didn't know that this is different because this is stone and this is pavement. But uh, so those, those are the ways in which the bike lanes of Vosteros, Sweden are hidden treasures. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> there that is not an issue in rural Wisconsin, Zach, because my hidden treasure this fortnight is that there are no crowds in the middle of a field. And what I mean is that there just aren't as many people out here in rural Wisconsin, and this can be a good or bad thing. Um, a good thing in that you don't have to ring your bicycle at every everyone in the sidewalk because there's no one on the sidewalk in winter in rural Wisconsin. Because there aren't sidewalks in rural Wisconsin. There also aren't sidewalks in rural Wisconsin. <laughs> that, is an, that is one of the bad things. Um, another one of the good things is that you can rely on a place to sit in pretty much any coffee shop, which is not something you can say in Madison, especially not during like finals week or something. Okay. Fair. Uh, wait. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna pause you there. The coffee shops, the the locations in your area which have coffee shops are college towns. So during finals in those towns, there probably isn't a spot to sit. In one of the coffee shops that I frequent, it is not a college town, and takes would. But I understand your point. Yeah. At, at the moment, when I care about these coffee shops, they're pretty empty. Okay. All right. All right. I'll concede it. And like I said, there are no cr- crowds in literal middle of fields either, which is... I've been spending a fair amount of time in just a field, just Why? standing there, sitting... Because it's nice outside sometimes, and I'm bored. And I just sit, go out there, look at the nature, listen to a podcast. Okay. I guess, it's, like as a meditative quite, experience, kind of? Or? Yeah, sort of. Just something to look at while I'm listening to a podcast, mostly. I also listen to podcasts quite a bit if I'm just kind of taking something in. Um, when I'm biking on those bike trails, I, I listen to podcasts. But now that I'm in Sweden, some of the podcasts that I have been listening to don't make as much sense, which is something I hadn't thought about until I landed. Um, for example, Up First... The daily Which, news podcast from NPR? Yeah, it, it bills itself as the first thing. They release it at like 6 a.m. Eastern time or something. Uh, so it's the first thing you can listen to when you wake up. <laughs> Except that means that they release it at 2 where I am. 
maybe one uh it's the first thing you listen to tomorrow yeah maybe (laughs) but i also am not not being in america i don't know if i need to keep as much of a finger on the pulse of american politics and american happenings so i want something that length but like all squished down into the really important stuff once a week hmm so you want an American news podcast I don't know if that I... will tell you, wait, could you, is there another NPR show? Because they pretty much say all the same thing. There's got to be a weekly one, right? For just general news? Maybe. But then I'm guessing the weekly one is like an hour long, which I don't want either. Oh, you want like the five minute kind of thing? I, yeah, I want, instead of the top three stories from today, I want the top three stories from this week. I see. So that's an exploration I'll need to need to do. Yeah, um, I, can't, I can't think then, of any. I also don't listen to very many news podcasts, so mm-hmm. there's that. And then also the daily Swedish podcast, Swedish news podcast is in Swedish. So I guess it would probably be a good idea just to stick it at the front of the queue, basically replace up first with it. That's a good because idea. Because I am taking Get your... Swedish language courses, so it would... Get it in my head. So these Swedish podcasts, uh, I usually listen to them on my phone, but um, the podcast player that I use also has a web client. But uh, notoriously, sometimes web files get really, really big. Like if I, um, honestly, just the Wall Street Journal or something like that at this point has grown to be so large and... A big part of that is the JavaScript, all of the code that isn't just saying what it looks like, but saying how it functions. Um, All of the logic behind it has ballooned. And one uh, attempt at fixing that is known as WebAssembly. Okay. So what makes this one different, Zach? There's been lots of, like, attempts to get file sizes down in the past... So one of the big differences is that it's already built into a couple browsers. Edge is already working um, with it. I think Firefox is already working with it natively. But then it also can just be run as JavaScript somehow. I'm not super clear (laughs) on how that works. uh, But I do know that there's a way to just run it as JavaScript. And also some browsers are now building in default compatibility with it. Okay, cool. So even if a browser doesn't support it, it will just fall back to JavaScript? Uh, yeah, yes. Yeah, okay. So how does it work? Um, so you know assembly. Like you, you, Steven, at least, understand the concept of assembly? The concept, yeah. But I definitely can't write in it. Right. Uh, basically, then I suppose, since you have a higher level knowledge of it, do you want to oh, um, give your description of it? Okay, uh, my interpretation is that the when you when you write like in any modern language, it when you compile it, it gets mm-hmm. uh, converted back into assembly, which the computer knows how to run. It's machine code, I guess you could call it. Which and it's not very pretty yeah, to so... look at, and it's hard to write in. So that's why compilers exist. Assembly is actually one level away from machine code, but it's a lot closer to machine code than Python, for example. Okay. So how does it work on the web? The same way. You compile to it. 
So I could write a C file or a C++ file and then get a custom WebAssembly compiler from the, the WebAssembly consortium and just compile my C code into WebAssembly. Okay, uh, how do I make like API calls and stuff? API calls, what do you mean by that? Like part of JavaScript, why JavaScript is so powerful, even though it sucks, is that it is just built, it's hooked right into everything. It, you can you can move the divs around or whatever you want to do. Mm-hmm. Okay, so... Like I'm not... Yeah, I'm not actually, I'm not sure how it interfaces with the DOM document object model. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not sure how it interfaces with the HTML document exactly. I think it's um, the main use that I saw for it on uh, on all of the interviews with the people who created it was that it um, can be used for, like if you build a game in Unity, you can compile your Unity game into WebAssembly and ship a version of your game on the web. Okay, cool. So that's really complex game logic, game engine stuff that just runs natively on the web with really small, I think it's like uh, divided by 20, the file size. Yeah, and it's not like, yeah, it's not a ma- massive flash file. Mm-hmm. Um, right now, it seems like there's there's a lot more that they're looking towards in the future. Um, they're hoping to get multi-threading going, which just would never make sense for JavaScript. It, it, yeah, if you added multi-threading to JavaScript, it would add so much complexity to it that it wouldn't be useful to people at that lower level who just want to make a button you can click to make the page flash. Yeah, it was going to be my next question, actually, is when, uh, what's the lowest level of website this is practicable Hmm. I mean, you're not going to need it for most things, but you can use it for a like marginally faster implementation of addition. Another cool thing about it, um, additionally, is that you can still view source. Oh, how how does that work? Does it display the C code or the JavaScript? It displays um, uh, it's S S type. I think is the name of it. So when it gets sent to a browser that is compatible with WebAssembly, it just gets sent over as hexadecimal binary instructions. Hmm. Um, but then those browsers are also built in with a way to deconstruct that into uh, some sort of tree. I didn't write down what sort of tree, but there's a particular sort of tree that it can deconstruct that into. Um, and that like will sure ochre. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like a node with children, but yes. Aren't those called seeds? Acorns, perhaps, <laughs> depending on the tree. Sorry, I'm. <laughs> yeah. No. Um. Well, it sounds cool. Uh, what are we looking at for a timeline? Um, like I said, it's in browsers now. It's in a few browsers, at least. That means that they have this minimum viable candidate out. Um, and past that, they're going to just keep iterating. It's just another product of the W3C, the web consortium, who decide all of these te- technologies, how HTML works, how JavaScript works. Um, all of that is being decided by one organization who just want the web to be better 
And so this is one more step in making the web better. So it's just going to slowly iterate and iterate and iterate, building upon the past and present of JavaScript. All right, cool. Well, I'm excited to finally get rid of that. JavaScript? <laughs> or the the bad parts of JavaScript, the parts where people are trying to make really, really big things in JavaScript. Yeah, yeah, I can, I'll, I'll agree with that. As far as entirely getting rid of JavaScript, um, there was an interview with the guy who made WebAssembly, Brian Eno, and somebody kind of offhandedly mentioned like, oh, so some people are going to say this is going to be the next JavaScript killer. And Brian Eno, who also, by chance, made JavaScript, said JavaScript will not be killed. It would, it's not even possible. I wish you could kill JavaScript, <laughs> but you can't. That's what Brian Eno said. Yeah, I mean, all right, petition to replace JavaScript with Python, I will be the first to sign. I don't know how it's uh, going to work, I don't care, but I think it, I want it to. I don't think Python was really made to be safe for web clients. Nope, it wasn't. So that's, a, that's actually another wasn't concern. Either, though. It was made with the web in mind much more than Python. <laughs> security that that issue of this thing that can just get distributed by a website that's concerning and that's a really big concern that they have um, when you're using WebAssembly like this and at such a low level that you can work with specific memory registers and all that stuff um, but the people who are making it are definitely keeping that in mind because it currently just runs in the JavaScript virtual machine. It's not a super huge concern because then all, they just have all the securities of the JavaScript virtual machine. Um, but there are some things that can escape the JavaScript virtual machine. Uh, yeah, sometimes. Um, especially if it is on a machine that has not been patched for the Spectre uh, vulnerability. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Spectre is like the James Bond style spelling of Spectre. Um, it's a really bad vulnerability in Intel, AMD, and ARM processors. And it, and it, it affects everything. Any like, I don't know, like how do you want to describe it? A high functioning uh, computing device? Like probably not your light bulb, but definitely your laptop. I mean, possibly your light bulb. Didn't it hit ARM for a little bit? Or wasn't yeah. it also happening on ARM chips? Some ARM chips, because some of them were doing the thing that made this possible and some weren't. But probably mm -hmm. things in light bulbs are trying to just be as cheap as possible and wouldn't license it like that. Anyway, uh, so how, okay, how so, it works yeah. is... Uh, I'm just going to give an example of a way it would happen. Uh, so... The CPU does something like A plus B equals C, and the processor knows A but has to pull B from memory from the RAM. This happens. Okay. So. Okay. So this is like a line of code that says A plus B equals C. Yeah. And it gets compiled all the way down, and the computer is trying to run each of these individual instructions, some of it reaching out to RAM. Yes. And. Going to RAM, uh, reaching out to RAM, pulling from it is relatively slow in the the I guess the eyes of the processor. 
because it's a processor mm-hmm. super super fast. Um, and if the next step in the code says to calculate d plus e equals f, it's not dependent on that the line above it. So it'll right. just do that computation in the meantime while it's pulling b from memory. So okay, that, so that to me sounds like multi-threading. It's sort of is, but it's um, it's all happening in the same uh, processing space. It's just trying to speed things up, so it doesn't have to wait for the memory to to get B. So you're it, saying it's, that it it's, knows. All I'm saying it, it's loading. It's loading the next line of code while it's still executing the first. Yeah, and even if it it can execute and be done with the next line of code before the previous line has been, uh, before B can get put in, before it figures out what B is from the memory. Okay. And it can do that hundreds of lines in advance, as mm-hmm. long as they're not dependent on what B or C is. So that part is harmless. And that's just Intel, AMD, and ARM uh, squeezing more processing out of the, these chips. Um, but the it, they kind of got greedy, these companies, and they decided that they could speed things up even further. If So if D plus E equals F only happens if C does not equal zero, the processor will start to calculate F even though it may not have to depending on what the result of C is. Okay, so you you calculate C in the in the code at least. You calculate C and then you either do the DEF calculation or you print something. Yeah, but based on the value of C. Based on the value of C, but it it looks ahead and goes into that if statement and says, "Oh, can I do this without C?" Yeah, I may not have to, but I could. I might have to, so I might as well just go ahead and do it. And if it turns out that C does equal zero, no harm, no foul, it just throws those calculations away. Mm-hmm. Except there is a harm, because that, oh, no. that processor may also be running another process in parallel. So what Spectre allows for is the other process to peek in at the results of the processor working ahead before the calculations are thrown away. Okay, and just to make sure that I get this, running another process in parallel is basically the same thing where you did the A plus B equals C, and then you calculated some other lines, and then you go and look at some other code and run that while you're still waiting for B? Yeah, so if I'm running, like I am right now, um, Audacity and Skype, Mm -hmm. the processor is switching back and forth super quick, but it's also multi-threading. It's um, saying, I can run this process at the same time as this process because they don't interfere. Okay. And when that happens, and when the processor is looking ahead into that if statement that may not run, it has to store those variables somewhere while it's still trying to figure out C. And because it's all running on the same chip, Mm -hmm. um, the address space where those results are stored can be looked at by that other process that um, the other thing I'm doing at the same time. And that's not a real big deal either because I'm just me, I'm on my computer and there's no malicious weirdness happening on my laptop. I mean, I'd hope so at least. The real- (laughs) Is your antivirus updated, Steven? (laughs) The real big issue is when this happens on a big server. So Mm -hmm. 
It yeah. allows another process to peek in at what the main process is doing, even if that process doesn't have the credentials to do so. So in theory, if someone found a way to run a process like that on a Google server, they could see what the other people on Google were Googling. Or they could steal credit card numbers from Amazon as people are sending them. That kind of thing. Okay. But it also... Am I right in thinking it would kind of be like Heartbleed, where you get a dump of data from the server, just from the memory cache of the server, but you don't necessarily get the context of it? Yeah, like I don't, I wouldn't know that this is the start of a credit card if all that was happening was that they were just streaming credit card numbers one after the other after the other. I wouldn't know where one started and one ended. That's true, but the it does allow you to do that. It, it's a, it may not be a huge deal because you're it you're just hoping uh, an attacker would just be hoping that on the off chance there might be something interesting in the ram mm-hmm. but at the same time if you have a running process like that you can just continually dump information from the memory to wherever yeah and it's it's still a problem, even if they were just streaming number after number after number for credit cards, because the way that credit cards are designed, you can kind of tell, I'm pretty sure, where the beginning is and where the end is. And they're designed like that so that it's easier to detect fraud, but the side effect is that everyone knows what's a credit card and what's not. Mm -hmm. So even though you're just getting big data dumps, sometimes there are ways to parse out real numbers and real important bits from that that's exactly what is happening and so uh this was this has been a problem amongst um the big tech companies for a while they've known about it for a while but they have been keeping it quiet not because they're awful and terrible but because they're working on fixes for it but Mm -hmm. then really the only people who can fix it are the people they're telling right right until they until someone, until there was a leak, or I forget actually how it happened. I think there was a gray hat kind of guy who exposed it. Yeah, I think it might have, there might have been some like tips off that uh, they were updating the Linux kernel a whole bunch. Yeah, that too. Because the only way to guard against this is to like change the operating system to tell. Yeah. The, the CPU, not to do the the it, speculative it's, execution, it's called, right? Yeah, that's what it's it's guessing. Hey, it might go this way. I'm just going to speculate on what the answers might be in hopes that I can save some time. Um, but the the issue, another issue, is that the reason that this flaw exists at all is because it's meant to speed up your computer. Mm-hmm. And the only way to fix it is to slow your computer back down by not allowing speculative execution. Uh, so the percentages are um, somewhere between five and thirty percent, depending on how many uh, parallel processes you typically do. For most people, almost none. But mm-hmm. for big server farms, that's an issue. Yeah, yeah. So we'll like the next. Obviously, Intel's working on this in their next. Uh, chip that it's not going to have these same problems right that is the idea but it's gonna it uh it's all speculation we don't know what happens inside intel but people are guessing <laughs> that don't it'll go take a making long time. any decisions on that speculation yeah i'm not sure how they're gonna fix it but they're sure i'm sure are going to try 
So if and when they do, um, if they can do this speculative execution without running into the same problems, um, they would be able to release processors that were 30% faster <laughs> than yes, the last generation. But only now. because they made the processors 30% slower to begin with. <laughs> right. But now they've essentially made it's a, giant a need to purchase stunt. generation. You, you cracked it, Zach. Intel did on purpose. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that they colluded with a lot of servers are going to be built on the next generation of processor. Listeners, we're not for quite a few years to come. We're not saying to invest in Intel, but we're also not not saying that. It's not insider trading. It's not like it's knowledge that only we no, have. No, we're, but we're. I'm. I'm fairly certain we're not allowed to give uh, financial advice as people without licenses to do so. I'm exempted because I'm in another country, right? That's absolutely. How it works. You tell people exactly what to do with their money, Zach. <laughs> Put it all in Bitcoin. Yep. <laughs> right I now, that. buy it right now. It's definitely not at a peak. Yep. Buy it, send it to Worrying Bugs, we'll send it back, maybe. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> maybe. It's it's like a, it's a speculative thing. Yeah. If Intel stock goes up, then <laughs> we will do it, but we won't send it back to you before Intel stock goes up just to see what happens, because that's not, that's not a secure transaction that way. Exactly. And now... A public service announcement from the Worrying Bugs. In the case that the cabin depressurizes, remember to affix your oxygen mask before helping those around you. This has been a public service announcement from the Worrying Bugs. So, Zach, do you know why the cabin would depressurize in an airplane? Um, there's a problem with the... Usually it's just a mechanical problem, right? Like, it's not actually cause for concern. You could continue flying normally, just the cabin is depressurized because the, the, the pressure thing messed up. Yes, but more specifically, cabin depressurization means there's a hole in the plane. Mm, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I'm glad to know that. I always just kind of assumed it was like a... Oh, the the tank of pressured air that we have, pressurized, <laughs> pressurized air that we have here is faulty. Nope. Back before we had oxygen masks to help us regulate our breathing, um, sometimes we would use negative pressure ventilators, uh, which are also known as iron lungs. Okay. Uh... Okay, and you know who would have an iron lung? Oh, okay. Um, an iron man. I, I suppose, yeah. That would make <laughs> sense. Um, so, in last week's show, we talked about Iron Man 3, and we mentioned the vast array of different Iron Man suits. Um, and I got interested, so I started doing some research. Um, so, I went down a rabbit hole. I have about three pages worth of notes on the various <laughs> Iron Man suits. This is always the goal. Uh, <laughs> this is always the goal when I bring up Iron Man suits, is that someone else will get thrown down the same hole that I, I do. Yeah, so I I started with the cinematic universe, but that was super boring. So um, I 
started taking notes and also citing my sources on the uh, the comic universe Iron Man suits. So are you going to like write a full research paper on Iron Man suits now? No, but I wanted to refer back to the um, the Marvel wikis that I was uh, talking about. Gotcha. Okay. And so I'll have those in the show notes as well. So starting at the beginning, there are three versions of the Model 1 Iron Man suit. The third of which is exactly the same, except it's gold. <laughs> it's like super impractical, and it's really only good for defense... And it, so it made sense to replace it with the Model 2, which in addition to enhanced offensive capabilities, it can protect the wearer from an atomic blast at close range, apparently. But rust is still a problem. So one was the one that just looked like the Juggernaut, basically, but made out of metal. Yeah, so it's uh, it was the one that Tony Stark built in a cave while he's being kidnapped. And then two... Was, was the upgrade to that because he realized that he's a superhero now. Look at that. So he added some weapons and apparently protection from atomic blasts at close range. All right. Rust, we, though. Rust is still a problem. Usually usually in there it, it explains, at least in the cinematic universe one, it explains what the impetus was for him making a particular suit. Yeah, I kind of glossed over that. Did say that... Okay, I, well, now I want to know. Why did he think that he needed to defend against uh, I was more fo- search this is, for Model 2? This research is much more focused on the uh, the capabilities of the suit and how they look and what they can do, and much less about what they were doing with the suits, although there's some a few no- notable exceptions. Marked? Okay, so you're actually talking about the Mark 2, not the Model 2. No, I'm talking about the Model 2 the heck so so a- after a disastrous battle classic with the criminal known okay as... but this one has the coloring the model 2 has the coloring yes the, okay you you left that out steven that's a very important part i thought that it was the same silvery no that's weird the, stuff no i'm saying the mark the mark 3 of model 1 is the gold one okay okay ca- carry on i'm sorry i <laughs> okay so Anyway, atomic blasts, rust still a problem. I just, I the contrast there is staggering to me. Whatever, doesn't matter. Um, I don't know why these articles put so much emphasis on whether or not the no the face has a nose. But if it does matter to you, that's the main difference between Model Three and Model Four. Uh, three has a nose, four does not. That's it. That's the whole. I mean, Model Three has some upgrades. It's mostly just like armor and weapons though nothing real notable and then it, he went adding to mod- a nose adding a nose feels like a point upgrade like it, would, it should be 3.1 yes. this time we've got a nose and then they took it away in model four though so it's uh they're going back and forth on that one mm-hmm. uh so the model this, five, this is like an internal debate yeah he's he's, <laughs> he's fighting with himself as far as he, him jarvis and pepper pots are just <laughs> i think you should have a nose but the nose p- makes a point of structural weakness but it looks <laughs> like you look like a thing that you can trust and not a killer robot now um so the model 5 was used for space um the main difference from the other space armor model 45 is that the time period um is the time period and the fact that uh, Iron Man was 
in the Model 45, officially part of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Wait, okay, we jumped from... I'm just giving a contrast between the two main space models of the Iron Man suit. There's the Model 5 and the Model 45. Okay. And 45 was when Iron Man was collaborating with the Guardians of the Galaxy. The Model 5 was just, you know, for fun. They were, like, visually and functionally different? Yeah, but... uh, Visually and functionally... Yeah, aside from... Aside from the Model 45 coming in the real world many, many years later. From just Mm -hmm. an artistic standpoint, it's going to be different because we have just better printing capabilities and such. Well, yeah. Uh... (laughs) The main benefit of 45 is it doesn't have so much stippling. Yes, <laughs> exactly. Uh, the Model 6 is for underwater use and actually has an electric eel style electric field generator. And that means? That if a shark bites him, he can shock the shark. <laughs> uh, the Model 7 is stealth armor and it's supposed to be completely black. And speaking of uh, printing capabilities... It actually turned out very, very blue, but was supposed to be black. And I'm going to skip a few because they're boring. Um, okay. The Model 12 is the first Iron Man suit that could be piloted remotely. And because it didn't need to make room for a person, it could hold more weapons, including a laser blade. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. Tony Stark like Star Wars. I get it. Yeah. Uh, the Model 13 is, of course, the Hulkbuster armor, and Good. Dis- despite its size, contains microsurgery equipment. For, well, because, like, relative to its size, everything is micro. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, skipping a few more boring ones. Uh, the Model 16 could shoot a hamster ball to protect civilians. That's good. He wasn't all that good at protecting civilians up till then, really? That is the sense I'm getting. The official name for 16, by the way, was uh, the crossing armor, (laughs) which makes it sound like he was just stopping cars and putting pedestrians in hamster bubbles. (laughs) I'm imagining Iron Man holding like a stop sign and wearing a reflective vest. (laughs) He could just like make his whole suit blink. I don't know if he needs a reflective (laughs) vest. Uh, okay, so moving on, the Model 19 had armor that was made out of S-K-I-N, skin. Uh, it's an acronym of some sort, uh, which is stuff that is as hard as adamantium, which is what Wolverine's skeleton is made out of. Whoa, and- Steven, you missed uh, the Iron Boy armor. Did I? I mis- must Apparently. have missed it. I don't remember that. What, uh, what are you looking at right now? Which wik- wiki, I suppose? Uh, this is the Iron Man Wikia. Okay. Yeah, I've been. I was looking at the Marvel one, but that'll that one works too. Cause this um this does them in chronological order, not in just model number order. So oh. it includes some of the Iron Boy, uh, which is for the alternate universe where Tony Stark was a teenager. Okay. So, so fill me in. What's the Iron Boy? I, it it's just one that he made when he was an alternate universe teenager. All right, whatever. <laughs> uh, the armor design was that the big arms were useful in hand-to-hand combat. Why? Iron Man should not be engaging in hand-to-hand combat. It does not make sense for him. 
he's a teen. He's got to get out his angst. Okay. Yeah, it makes sense. His rebellion. Makes sense. You can't you can't power blaster your rebellion out. That just doesn't. It's not the same effect. <laughs> uh. Okay. <laughs> well, it wouldn't matter if he was fighting the Model 19 Iron Man suit because of skin, which is, again, as hard as adamantium and can bounce like a basketball. And you may be asking yourself, like I did, why everything Tony Stark makes isn't made out of skin. And the answer is Ultron ruined it for the rest of us. How? He took control of something or other. I'm not really sure. Uh, that didn't go. <laughs> it was too much copyright infringement at that point, I think. Fair enough. Um, the Model 20 was the uh, the attempted return of skin, but Ultron ruined it again. So we're up to 21, which is made out of ceramics and Kevlar so that it's more stealthy. As you do. Yep. Um, it does have the drawback of being disrupted by household cleaning products, though. like a vacuum i was thinking windex but maybe a vacuum i really did not specify (laughs) Um, windex makes it so much better uh it was used to fight black panther (laughs) because because i can entirely envision a scene in which tony stark lands on like a a window cleaning thing and the window cleaner guy just turns to him and he's like what the heck are you doing in my window cleaning apparatus and sprays him with windex and it, the, the suit just shuts off. I can imagine that scene playing out. Yep. Especially in the comics. Mm-hmm. It's even better if you imagine Robert Downey Jr., though. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> the Model 22 is the Thorbuster armor, which is powered by an Asgardian crystal, which turns out to be a terrible idea because the crystal rendered the suit completely invincible to anything except for Thor. <laughs> Um, the Model 28 could upload a copy of the wearer's consciousness in if the wearer was about to die in the suit. This is the only suit I know of that does this. Okay. I, like, this seems like a good feature for more things than just one suit, but whatever. Yeah, that's, I... Like, not just, it... not just Iron Man suit stuff. This is, like, groundbreaking technology that you're barely using. Or even telling someone about. I'm guessing that it just came in as like a retcon because somebody lazily killed Iron Man and somebody was like, well, now we need to make more Iron Man comics. Let's <laughs> retcon in this suit that he had one time that uploaded his brain. Yep. Uh, the Model 32 was supposed to be used for tunneling underground, but based on the picture, I have no idea how that's supposed to happen. It doesn't have any Whoa. digging apparatuses. You, I'm, I'm going to look at this. Okay. Okay, my reference says that the Model 32 is the Hulkbuster 2. Let me look. Maybe I picked the wrong number. No, it says uh, the Marvel Wikipedia, not Wikipedia, the Marvel Wiki says uh, it's the subterranean Argonaut. Okay, well, the Iron Man Wiki says that Model 33 is the subterranean digger Argo armor. Okay, uh, notes in the bottom of this wiki say that this armor was originally identified as model 33 but was renumbered to model 32 in the iron manual okay all right i'll i'll accept it i uh, i don't <laughs> i don't know what the iron manual is but i assume it's it, it's the I'm, last okay, word i need to in... look this up 
Is it just a big book of Iron Man suits? Because... Let's see. Oh, volume 11. Oh. I think that's 1.1. Oh, yep. Yeah, it is. Number one. It certainly does include at least most of the Iron Man armors. Okay, so it was originally published huh. in right. 1993, but when the first Iron Man movie came out in 2008... Wait... That doesn't sound right. Okay, well, it was republished in 2008, and some of and there were some changes made, including the Model 33 was changed to Model 32. And I huh. want to know what happened to which yeah. Iron Man suit got deleted. I know. Well, the wiki I'm on doubles up on 22. So if I had to get, or not on 20, it, it doubles up on 20. So if I had to guess, that was where the the problem lay. Hmm. Okay. But you also, uh, you were talking about the adamantium-like armor. Um, there's also the adamantium armor, which was 31 on here, but probably renumbered to 30. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Which was the only other one that I could remember off the top of my head, was that one was made out of adamantium. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, Marvel, I am asking you very politely to get your crap together because this is too confusing for me uh okay so moving on from 32 uh i'm skipping to model 37 which was actually just a ton of layers of nanomachines that protect stark and enhance his muscles it still looks like an iron man suit but really it's just a bunch of tiny little robots let me look at 38 and see Right, you're going to need to send me a link because I think this is where the Iron Man wiki diverges uh, diverges greatly. Okay. Here, I'll send you the link to the Marvel wiki in general, not just this one. Okay. So this is the Bleeding Edge armor. Yeah. Okay. So we're right. It just doesn't look like a bunch of nan... Oh, it does. Cool. Just a bunch of little nanobots. Yeah. They're adorable and deadly. Mm. Uh... Skipping like ahead. <laughs> uh, model 48 is the first suit since, unless I'm wrong, Model 48 is the first suit since the Model 1 that was actually made out of iron, which apparently is lethal <laughs> to Dark Elves. Everyone knows it. So, if you're ever being attacked by Dark Elves, find something made of iron. Yeah, will do. Uh, the Model 49 was another Hulkbuster, but this time the suit wasn't massive or anything. It had gamma blades that could cut the Hulk's skin, but it was just a normal-sized Iron Man suit. Wait, okay, what the heck? I'm... I just went to Iron... the, the Marvel Wiki, Iron Man Armor Model 38. Yeah. Which is... does not look like it's made out of iron. That's 48, is made out of iron. 48. 48 is made out of... Okay. Okay, there, there we go. I... It was big claws for mm -hmm. elf stabbing, I assume. Yeah. Okay, I'm, I'm less upset. I was... <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, coming... We're, we're, we're winding down now. Um, oh, no, we aren't. I started opening tabs once you started talking. <laughs> oh, no. Okay. Well, I'm almost done. <laughs> Okay. The Model 50 was created from sim uh, the symbiote biology, which is the stuff that made Spider-Man into Venom or something like okay. that. I'm not really sure how that story yeah. goes. Yeah, that's the Ven Venom stuff. 
And that seems like a bad idea. But Stark claims that while the suit is alive and has feelings and such, it doesn't have an intelligence like Venom did. So it's totally cool. Okay. <laughs> uh, the Model 51 was made to shapeshift into any style Iron Man suit that the situation called for, and this should be the end-all be-all of Iron Man suits. However, the Model 52 was a flying car that turned into an Iron Man suit. No. It actually appeared in the comics eight times. <laughs> uh, there are more suits in other universes, but I stopped there because I was getting bored. Which one was um, briefcase suit? Do you remember? Uh, that was... Looks like the Mark V. Yeah, looks like it. Cool, good to know. I There's so much to this world, I... There's, like, the whole extremist stuff that I don't really comprehend. Uh, I think I'm going to need to, like, delve further into this, further into the Detroit Steel armor. Oh, um, no. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of just went through the main ones. I didn't think to look into the more obscure ones. The Iron Lord armor? I'm going to have to look into some of these, uh, and I'll come back with an Iron Man follow-up next episode okay zach's gonna follow up my follow-up <laughs> so speaking of follow-up last episode you uh talked about working on some of the things that you would just been telling yourself were way too hard uh much like tony stark n- never had to do i guess tony stark didn't really back down on too much stuff did he <laughs> well i mean he did stop making skin because he was like, you know what? This is too hard to keep away from Ultron. So yeah. there. I am no worse than Tony Stark. Yeah, that's uh, an argument that could be made. <laughs> I have some updates to the Water Tracker app. Uh, version 1.2 is out and ready, it, which has iPhone X support. And version 1.3 is currently waiting for review by the Apple Supreme Court who I am assuming wears space gray uh, turtleneck sweaters and blue jeans (laughs) 24-7. I also imagine that they have iPad Pros sitting in front of them with an app that makes a gavel noise when they touch the screen. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, if everything goes right, the update should be available by the time this show comes out, and I'll link to it in the show notes. It will have, in version 1.3, an Apple Watch app, Apple Health Integration, 3D Touch Quick Actions, and a, uh, a Today View widget, and an updated UI. So what's the um, what's the health integration? Does health help you like keep track of water, or is that a uh, different yeah, factor? So other apps can use the data now. Um, it also helps me... Um, I-, I call it Auto Goal, and it, um, based on your... Your weight and gender will help you pick a goal to set for the day. Okay, yeah. So yeah, um, and I'm looking at the screen, and it says it's ready for sale, so I don't think anything's going to go wrong, except it won't update, so we'll see how that goes. I'm not really sure what's going on there. Maybe there's like a (laughs) waiting period or something, because it said it's been accepted and all that, and it's ready to be sold, but I'm refreshing the page, and it's not, (laughs) so whatever. Um, I, I know we talked about before maybe adding color schemes as a paid bonus. Yeah. Is that still in the works? Um, it's in the works. Um, I also 
another up- update that's been added is a uh, support me page, which is literally just a link to the Patreon. Um, <laughs> that is what that is for now. Um, I There was a few things that I was playing with to decide, like, how, how am I going to push... How am I, I guess it's just how am I going to make money on this? And mm-hmm. um, I decided against reducing any sort of functionality. I was thinking maybe I'd have like, oh, you can't uh, have a today view widget or whatever. I don't know um, without paying. But I decided that that wasn't cool. And I really hated when apps did that. So mm-hmm. I think one th- one compromise on that front at least might be that if you have this update with um like that adds the today view widget and the watch app and stuff that paid members or you know people who sponsor the app however um get the today widget but then next update you make the today widget becomes free and they get the whatever iphone x support or i know that's the wrong order but that makes that makes sense for um uh, a full-time developer who releases updates regularly but the only Fair. reason i got this many updates out as quickly as i did was because i'm on winter break and have nothing better to do mm-hmm. okay yeah on the topic of having nothing better to do i've been just immersing myself in entertainment because i'm there's no school to keep me occupied so mm-hmm. we have a f- quite a few um, reviews for you this week. I don't know why you say we like I have consumed most of this content. Uh, well, I'm saying we, the show has a review for you, the listener. You're welcome. Okay. Uh, okay, so kicking things off, uh, Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Zach, would you, do you have any thoughts on this? Um, yeah, just, I, I've definitely listened to too many shows to be able to give my uninhibited uh, opinion of it, but I liked it. I, there were plot holes and whatever, but I liked it. There were space battles and character development and old favorites, and it was good. Also, I don't like Lego Porg. That's the, the additional comment. Okay. Um, I didn't hate the Porg as much as I thought I would. I, I I love the Porg. I just don't like Lego Porg. This is a specific thing. Okay. Uh, I guess we'll link to that in the show notes. I don't I don't know what the issue is because I haven't seen any Lego Porg yet. Oh yeah, that's that's terrible. <laughs> okay, listeners, imagine imagine a Lego R two D two, like one of the just the one. Okay, so it's a one circle R two D two with a so it has like the round head and the square body yep and but instead of r2d2 head they put like cartoon cat grumpy cat on it yeah and then the body is just gray yeah it's not good that'll be in the show notes too (laughs) um anyway i i didn't like this movie as much as i hoped i would oh um and i was gonna say it was it wasn't very funny but that's not entirely true. It was funny, but it was too funny. Mm-hmm. It made all the emotional bits and exciting bits less emotional and exciting. Yeah. 
And I don't really know who they're pandering to. I guess just the blind Star Wars followers that were like, Yes! Haha! Uh, BB-8 is lost his head or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, it just didn't make me excited to see the next movie like number seven and Rogue One did. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I I don't think I agreed with the idea uh, that it was too funny for the serious parts to exist, but I definitely can see where that comes from. Just didn't didn't overdo it in my from my viewpoint. Okay. I'm going to look up who the director is of Star Wars 9. Of Star Wars 9. Okay. Yeah. 9 it's back to JJ Abrams. Okay. And it's not like I like I usually don't let stuff like that affect my decision my uh my thoughts about a movie like oh it has Steven Spielberg directing it. It must be fantastic even though it usually is. But so I mean it has the potential to not be, so I'm not going to um that that won't go into my decision about this movie as much. Um yeah, I I just mean that as far as not being excited for the next movie, it's oh sure yeah I don't know I think Disney has their Mickey Mouse fingers kind of far into this for a, one director to do a whole lot. Uh, it mm. just feels like those those parts were, and it's okay to want it to be funny and it's okay to want to sell toys and such, but um, didn't do it for you. It, yeah. Uh, all that being said, I. I'm making it seem like I liked it a lot less than I actually did. Um, it just wasn't... It didn't live up to my expectations, so it feels like it wasn't as good. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. partially my fault for getting all hyped up about a movie that... You know, it it's a movie, so it's like... Well, I don't know what I was expecting. It wasn't... Um, I'm trying to think of a, a good thing that would come out of a screen. I, I was visual morphine. I, like... <laughs> wouldn't be good for the screen, I guess, if Oreos started coming out of it, but it would be good for the audience. Absolutely. Are there Oreos in Sweden, Zach? How big is the Oreo presence? I am not sure. Okay, please I, report I'm, back. I am very curious. Yeah, okay. I'll, that's the other <laughs> thing on my to-do list now. <laughs> Look for Oreos. I have a grocery store right across the street, so I could run out right now record on my phone as i went looking for oreo i'm gonna do that steven cut right now to me looking for oreos okay uh don't forget to send me the audio yeah i uh, uh, oreo tangent aside i um i feel like we probably both enjoyed the movie the same amount i just didn't i haven't gone into any of the star wars movies with any expectations really i just go in expecting to have a good time and usually they deliver okay fair enough that's how i was feeling about rogue one and i really love rogue one it's probably Mm -hmm. my favorite star wars movie yeah but i didn't know what to expect so just entertainment in general was the expectation and it definitely delivered so i think you're right about that Okay, so moving on to my review of The Greatest Showman. I haven't seen it, but don't mind if it gets spoiled. Okay, um, I don't... Zach, you can... I'm going to say one negative thing about this movie, and after that, it will be all praise. The one negative thing is... 
that the, the storyline is quite possibly the most predictable thing I've ever seen in my entire life. However, see this movie. Oh my god, I loved it. I It's a musical, mm-hmm. and just so... And it's uh, starring uh, Hugh Jackman. So oh. it's it's like uh, just Lame imagine, is. yeah, just imagine Jean Valjean bought a circus. That's what this movie is. <laughs> okay. I immediately got the soundtrack on Apple Music when I came out of the theater, and it's pretty much been playing nonstop. It's fantastic. You should really see wow. it. Wow. Okay, yeah, I'll see if it's showing somewhere near me. I don't even know, do they do theaters exist in Sweden? Does Sweden have theaters? <laughs> is there electricity even? I don't. I thought it was all barren wasteland. Basically. I, I plugged in... Okay, quick, quick additional tangent about Sweden, because it's on my mind. I plugged in a power strip the other day, and all of the power in the apartment went out. So, like, starting off with not a good thing, because that means that the bathroom is on the exact same circuit as the kitchen is on the same circuit as my room if all the power went out. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, so I went to look at the, like, little circuit breaker box thing, and it's not, like, you're used to the switches one, right? Right, yeah. They have, America. There's a big, make a big chunking noise when you sw- switch them back. Yeah, so in Sweden, at least in my apartment, it's a whole row of ceramic cylinders holding in fuses that you need to unscrew and replace by hand. Okay, any more thoughts on The Greatest Showman? Um, no, because I haven't seen it. I'll, I'll look it up. I'll see if I can watch it. Uh, sounds really good. The final review of the of the show will be of the magicians tv show and books uh zach have you heard of these uh only through you and maybe another friend a mutual friend but not more than just that i should experience them okay i would agree with that so on the face of it the magicians book series and tv show is just a more mature version of harry potter but if you dig down but if you dig down even a little bit, it's so much more than that. It's really, really well done. Uh, I'm going to talk about the books first. Okay. They make you feel, and that's not something I hand out lightly. Normally, fiction doesn't do that for me, but these books did. The author played me like a fiddle. I, If he wanted me to feel empathy for a character, I did. And this is partly because the audience that he's looking for is people like me, uh, nerds and other variations of the term people who didn't mm-hmm. always feel normal in society and i'm not going to talk about the plot too much but i will say that there were times that i considered putting down the books because they were too intense but i'm glad Holy i pushed cow. on like it's there, there's a lot that happens and you're you get really attached to the characters and they do the things that um for a certain type of person the stuff that you've always wanted to do the you know, you dream of of magic of the mm. Harry Potter story of, you know, Haggard shows up and he's like, you're a wizard, Harry. And except this time it was a college ent- entrance exam or whatever it was. Okay. So so this is... It's, it's the same sort of thing, at least at first, in the first book, where they... So in the way that, like, Pokemon Go pushed back that idea that, oh, I'm going to turn 11 and get my starter Pokemon... Um, yeah, this exactly. pushes back when you get the owl <laughs> from Hogwarts. Yep. Um, 
pushed it back to graduate school for college. Cool. Yeah. I'm I'm always a fan of those. So, and it's really, really good. Um, okay, so as far as the TV show goes now, it's a little strange because it's the same characters at the same t- point of time doing different things. But not really different things. They just look like different things, but sometimes they are different things. But even then, it finds a way to be the same plotline. It's really not easy to, to describe. It's kind of like... So it... It f- follows the books but still adapts itself to being a movie or a tv show yeah so it's like they took bullet points from the books main events Mm -hmm. and then they moved them around to to make them more tv friendly okay i yeah i i think there are some people who who want their media to be exactly like the original but i think that especially that way where you're hitting all of the main points yeah, it also gives you a new way to experience it. It's not like a, uh, it's not redundant. Mm-hmm. It's not. It, it makes you. It makes it feel like another story with the same characters, even though the same things are happening. Because you don't really know so how it's I going read, to happen anymore. Should I read the books first, or watch the TV show first, or could I feasibly do it either order? I did it TV show then books because I didn't know there were books, and I enjoyed it mm-hmm. just as much. Um, although I would say that. Hmm. You know, I think whatever way feels more natural to you. If you are not the biggest book reader, watch the TV show, then read the books because you'll be more more motivated to watch the books. If it's the other way around for you, do that. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I I'll definitely take that recommendation. Thank you. No problem. So, Stephen, you were talking about uh, things pulling on your heartstrings and being so intense you had to set them down. A story that recently did that for me was our book club. Uh, So we're going to move into that now. We read Artemis all the way through the end, uh, starting at chapter 11. If you aren't caught up with us or you uh, have given up on books entirely and only want to watch the TV shows of things, uh, you could, I guess, wait until there's an Artemis TV show and then catch back up with this episode of the podcast um otherwise uh we'll be back in your feeds in one worrying bugs fortnight so until then you can reach me on twitter i'm at the puns guy and i am at not stephen barry and now we're gonna move into our book club so starting off at chapter 11 mm-hmm. um it they start off by talking about like what Zappho is and how people will use it. And I, regardless, I just have to think, regardless of how cheap Zappho is to make on the moon, it's, I find it improbable that the telecom companies will have any incentive to upgrade unless this is a severely different uh, economic climate. In the future. Hmm. Yeah, maybe when they deregulated the moon, they re-regulated telecoms. <laughs> yeah. Upswing, it, downswing kind of thing. Yeah, that's how regulations work. You gotta... Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's um, Nick Nixon's? I'm trying to come up with a joke on Newton's first law. But I think it, it just has uh, to be Newton's first law of regulation. 
I can't, you can't change too many more words in that phrase before it becomes unrecognizable. Yeah. Uh, maybe, um, I think you could, do, you can get away with Nixon. Because it also ends with that un. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Connecting those neural pathways. Okay. So Nixon's first law of regulation, uh, regulations cannot be created or destroyed, only shifted from industry to industry. <laughs> Uh, my next note is when, uh, shoot, what's her name? The leader lady? It's not on this page. Uh, Nagugi. Nagugi, yeah. My next note is when Nagugi, uh, puts the gun down on the desk, but just far enough so that, um, Jazz won't be able to lunge at it. And the idea of Mm -hmm. someone lunging in moon gravity just made me smile. Because, like, it just... Yeah, okay. It'd be like trying to lunge at something underwater because, like, you try to push off of the bottom like you would in normal gravity, but you would just go up more than forward. So I imagine Jazz, like, Mm -hmm. lunging and kind of blindly swiping towards the desk as she floats up to the ceiling. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because then you can't really change where you're going once you're in the air. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it was about this point, actually, that I started to be kind of weirded out that gizmos aren't voice-activated. Like, that it's not a mostly voice interface. Because um, sound doesn't travel on the moon, Zach. Oh my god. <laughs> yes, but you also need to assume that people have gizmos down on the ground. If you had this major communications technology, why wouldn't you use it everywhere? Why would Earth just still have cell phones? Because um, something about the manufacturing of gizmos and cell phones make it more cost-effective to just produce gizmos on the moon rather than shipping up cell phones. That is my reason. As a reason I can imagine. Okay, so then the chips and the casing are different, but the software could still be similar. Yes, they could have voice-activated gizmos, but they don't, Zach. So, okay, just leave it alone, because we're never going to win this fight. We know that voice is better, but everyone wants a text. Alright, I, th- I think it's more just like a flying car scenario. Like, we're going to have really cool phones in the future, and not that, like, <laughs> anything actually that divergent from current Yeah, that makes status. more sense. That makes a lot more sense. Um, my next note is on page 204. You don't have page numbers, though. Correct. Do you know which chapter but that's in? It's still in chapter 11. It's still towards the beginning. Okay. Uh, it, it was when the, she went to, uh, Tron's house. hmm And the actual blood was gone, and it was presumably cleaned by a professional service. Which I think shouldn't be a thing in a city with only one cop. A professional cleaning service? Uh, the... I'm imagining the type of cleaning service that happened after, like, Earth murders, where it's, like, remove any trace that there was ever a murder here, which is not something a a standard cleaning service does. Yes, but also I'm pretty sure... It's a specialized murder one. If you had Londvik money, you could pay a normal cleaning service 
to just scrub real hard. All right. I'll give you that. You're right that they wouldn't have like a dedicated murder cleaners, but it's not out of the realm of possibility that a normal cleaning service could be convinced to clean up a murder scene. Okay. Yeah, you're right. I'm still a little upset that it's only Rudy because like Rosendale has three cops. Rosendale doesn't have real time location tracking of everyone in Rosendale. That's what they want you to think. If they had real-time location tracking of everyone in Rosendale, why do the cops sit there and just wait for people to speed? They don't want you to know, Zach. If you know their location, you can get their momentum. Well, yeah. No, I'm just saying that they keep it in reserve for um, higher stakes crime. Like, okay, you're, yeah. Like you can, it's in the law that you can let the little drug dealer go so to catch his boss, to catch his boss, to catch his boss. Mm-hmm. And so it's that kind of thing, but... But with uh, lowjacking on, I don't know, our person. Okay. I, I guess. I don't have any... <laughs> Do you have any evidence to disprove me, Zach? Steven... That's not how this works. I don't need to prove the negative. (laughs) Who says I need to prove the positive? Logic? Aristotle, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. And and see, I'm not... He said that uh, heavy objects fall faster than uh, lighter objects. So uh, he doesn't get to make philosophy anymore. Okay. Pretty sure that was Aristotle. Probably. Archimedes? No, he was uh, Circles and... Um, Euler. I'm pretty sure these are all math guys and not uh, philosophy guys. Then Plato. Then Plato said that... There. <laughs> you have to I don't... prove the positive. Can you prove that Plato said that, though? No, but I'm not then really you... asserting it. <laughs> well, it sounds like your argument is based on the fact that Plato said this, and I don't think he did. Oh, <laughs> so I can if if you don't have to prove your positive, I don't have to prove my negative, and we can all go home happy, <laughs> just knowing that we're all being tracked by the Rosendale Police Department. Wait, no, you don't need to prove your negative, Stephen. I'm there, confused. You, you you don't have a negative to prove. Good point. Let's move on. <laughs> I I have uh, like one more note this whole chapter, so. Okay. Yeah, mine's right at the end of chapter. Mine as one. well. Okay. It's that the letters caught up, which we anticipated. You anticipated? You did. I anticipated. Cool. Well, uh, no. What I anticipated was that they were going to overstep the current timeline, which did not happen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I know. So lame. Uh, right before the chapter ends, she says, um, Okay, I'll do it. She stared straight ahead. Take the effers down. And I want Jazz to become Moon Batman. Yeah, And then right after that, she says, I'd never noticed before, but she had her father's eyes. And I want, what? wait, what's her name? Lean? Is that how we're saying it? Oh, um, Tron's daughter. Yeah. Lene. Lene. It sounds like, and I'm just making accusations at this point. Not accusations, just, um... Wild theories? Yes, wild theories. Uh... Lene and Jazz have some sort of relationship that we weren't told about in the story. It sounds like a little bit more than a friendship with her father, but whatever. Mm -hmm. That's just me. 
I, I think a lot of the other dialogue doesn't point towards that. But that one does, and that's what I'm basing my argument on. Okay, so there's your positive. <laughs> I, it's plausible, I guess. I, I, don't, I don't buy into it. This ain't my fan theory. My next note is in chapter 13. Oh, boy. Um, well, chapter 12, they... Um, do you remember, like, at the very beginning of this when they mentioned, like, once every single chapter? And here, they've got double hulls, which are impenetrable. And over here, there are some double hulls, yep. and those are impenetrable. <laughs> and I was like, they're gonna, something's gonna happen to those hulls. Someone's gonna penetrate the impenetrable hulls. Uh, yep. and they did. They did. Uh, not the way I thought it would happen, but it did happen. Yeah, I I was anticipating yeah. an accident and everything everyone dies, but it was intentional everyone dies. And then um Jazz starts like listing cities like oh and you know Sicily with the mob and Chicago with the mob and like all the the different cities <laughs> yeah. and that was definitely just Andy Weir going, "Look, see there's historical precedent for this thing that I am writing about." <laughs> Yeah, and it's something we should be worried about. So just go with it, okay, reader? Alright. It, it uh, worked. It works for the plot. It does. Uh, and then Savoda. Svoboda. Uh, and then Svoboda. My tongue doesn't make those noises. Uh, <laughs> she was like, okay, why do you have five screens up, Svoboda? And he was like, well, I need one for each camera, and then you need diagnostics, and, you know, you just need an extra monitor just in case, and then, uh, and he's right. Yes, he is. Although I've been shying away from that. I've been mostly uh, one monitor and my laptop in shell mode most of the time now. Really? Yeah, I'm not really sure what changed. I guess it just looks prettier. (laughs) I also haven't been, like doing things that are too intensive it's mostly been filling out online worksheets and such so Mm -hmm. oh and then and then in chapter i think this might be 13 now i kind of lost track of where chapter 13 started okay Uh, jazz says uh and there i was again melting metal in a vacuum if a blob melted my eva suit my life would be in dale's hands and my note was a vast improvement and I, I meant it as a vast improvement to the previous situation, which melting metal, you were melting metal in a vacuum where you were doing it alone. But it came mm-hmm. out, I realized, kind of like, it's better your life being his hands than your <laughs> own hands. Yeah, my other note <laughs> which, from that chapter was, Jazz is bad at plans. She really is. Um, and then also as they were making this, the, all these plans and working all this out... Uh, Everyone just kept saying, okay, and you'll do this for me. By the way, you're buying me a new one. Okay, and we'll work this out. By the way, you're buying me a new one. Uh, And I wrote (laughs) in chapter 13, Jazz is footing so many bills, she won't have any money at the end, which I was wrong about. But Uh, You were right for the wrong reasons. Yeah. Um, My last note for chapter 13 is um, when Dale was... He's like, as long as you have that torch in your hand, I won't take my eyes off you. I won't be more than three meters away, and I won't have anything in my hands. And I'm just... Like, now he's sticking to the rules. After he's committed so many crimes already. 
And I understand mm-hmm. it's like because of Jazz's safety now, but it seems a, like a weird time to be this much of a stickler. She's just asking you for yeah. to hand her something. Mm-hmm. Um, then in chapter 14, she rolls into the smeltery and uh, she gets out her chlorine canister and she opens it up to just a trickle, um, which is like a, a real good scientific measurement to be precise uh, that you aren't <laughs> like filling the air with too much or too little chlorine in this very well planned out plan. So I'm glad that she thought through the amount of chlorine she'd be releasing. Yeah, it's uh, perfectly executed all the way through. Mm-hmm. They also talked about Bob's Rover and how it had all these luxury features. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking that wouldn't it be nice to have a latte after a nice long EVA? And I yes. don't think Bob's Rover has that, and that's disappointing. I wonder if lattes would be the same, because they talked in the beginning about how stuff boils off at different temperatures. Oh, I forgot about that. I don't think I'd even want a latte. <laughs> Here's your room temperature latte, Stephen. Oh, I guess I could... Okay, I... but but you also have local control of the air uh, pressure. Yeah, so but you I'm could also up the air pressure to... and then boil but it would some have to be water. With oxygen, you'd be breathing 100% oxygen at full atmospheric pressure, and that's while not heating up water. Terrible for you. Yeah, I'm, health-wise, it's not the worst thing for you, but it's not great either. Your body really is set up to be breathing just normal Earth <laughs> atmosphere. Funny enough, crazy mm-hmm. how that works. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think that's a good idea. I and mean, I think I would just make uh, an iced macchiato at that point. Uh, my next note is that Andy Weir spells out, etc. And I think that's the first time in my entire life that I've seen ETC written out in full. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think um, I've seen it in, like, grammar books, but... Wikipedia, when you Wikipedia what ETC stands for, it spells it out. Yeah, but I've never done that. I've never like felt the need to. I just knew what etc. It's always just been the acronym. Mm-hmm. Means I'd... and other things, which I'm pretty yeah. sure that is the exact Latin translation. Makes sense. Uh, do you have anything more for chapter 13? That was chapter 13? Wait, 14. Oh, I skipped it. Okay, okay. We're good. Uh, no, I'm on to 15. Okay, um, I have one more. The electrical wire actually squirmed when the current began to flow, mm-hmm. which I know is a thing that can happen. It just makes me feel uneasy knowing that it can. Yeah, because it reminds you that really we aren't supposed to be harnessing so many watts of power. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. It, it really does not make sense to have just our houses covered in this cable carrying too much voltage. Yep. And like like I'm surrounded right now by just electrical cables. Like there's the my laptop is plugged in and I have headphones on and the microphone has a cable and there's the router over there that has a cable and it's just I have to remind myself that this all has like this thing that only a little bit is needed to completely stop my heart. Mhm. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently yeah. if there's enough of it, it can move by itself. Yep. 
Electric eel style. Yeah, exactly. Okay, uh, I'm on to chapter 16, so... Okay, so chapter 15, I started with, why is she saving her? And this isn't like a business deal, which is, previously she has said, the only time that I'm really truly honest is during a business deal. So why is she saving this woman who literally tried to kill her? Because it's the right thing to do, Zach. And then two notes later, I wrote, why is she saving this woman who literally tried to kill her? Because I still, I... Why? It's the right thing to do, and I, I... It's one thing to destroy someone's livelihood, but it's a lot different to just straight up take their life when you could have saved it. It's just way more direct and not something that I would expect Jazz to do. And I think Andy Weir made the right decision with this one. Yeah, I, I guess. I don't understand the motivation at this point in the story where she's starting to fight back, especially. She's like, no, I want to stay here. And then Jazz can say, okay, that is, like, That's a really I bad idea, you but out. come on. Yeah, oh, that makes sense. Like, she, you, Jazz wouldn't drag her into the rover, but she would offer a way out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, and then halfway in there, she made an Emily Post joke, and I was very happy with that. All right. Anything more for Chapter 15? Oh, yeah, a note. Don't you get brain damage in, like, less than an hour of chloroform? I don't know enough about chloroform, but I would assume so, yeah. Okay, Google, the effects of chloroform. Don't worry, it's for a school project. I'm leaving that in, by the way. That's hilarious. <laughs> Toxipedia. Okay, no. Toxipedia does not list that as a direct thing to happen. Like, it, it definitely will kill you if you're exposed to it for long enough. But mostly at this point, it, it's just either knockout gas or dead. Huh. That seems weird to me. But, I again, I really don't know anything about it, so... I'll go with that. Uh, right in the beginning of chapter 16, mm-hmm. Rudy's get, uh, Jazz starts going towards uh, Rudy's gizmo because it opens any door in town. Mm-hmm. And I would like to say that I called it. You did. Our first book club. Yep. You did. I That was actually a note of mine as well. <laughs> um, I don't understand why Alvarez saw everyone around him entirely passed out and thought that the right idea was to kill Jazz. Yeah, well, it he I think the explanation in the book was that he's a man on a mission. Yeah, that's it. Like ignore everything else, complete the mission, get the money. Can't do that if you're dead though. That is true. That is very true. Um that is not the decision I would be making if I were him. Yeah. Um, and then I, I do think that she should have brought, like, if if she had been thinking super clearly and not been in a major time crunch, she would have brought the oxygen tank from Alvarez to just, like, to carry around with her. So if she saw a person who could maybe help her figure out what all of the blinking lights mean, she could start pumping oxygen into their system. Make a lot of sense, too. I think it was that time crunch thing that stopped her from doing that. Sanchez 
says uh, that she's 164 centimeters, which is exactly average for a woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, but today, I looked it up, 162 centimeters, 162 and a half, is the current average. So, either it's she is rounding poorly, or women are, uh, on average, a centimeter and a half taller in the future. What's the trend line of... Uh, average female height. I would assume it's going up. Height of men. 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 Wow. That's interesting. Are there just not studies on the height of women? Or... The average has increased very slightly since the 1960s. How slightly? Like half an inch or half a centimeter? Very slightly. That's I don't that's think all un- you're getting. All right. Well, according I'm to say, the CDC, especially in one seventh gravity, it's not unreasonable for women to be on average taller in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. It's. I just wanted to see if he <laughs> tried to follow some specific trend line. That'd be interesting. Do you have any more? Um, well, yeah. If you leave the trans air thing open, flushing the whole system for as long as they did, an hour and a half, however long it took people to wake back up. Yeah. Aren't you just going to get rid of all of trans air? Yes. Hopefully, well... Hopefully Trond has enough air, because it's going to take a while to get that smelting operation back online. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to talk about her popping the hamster ball. Okay. I I don't know why the hamster ball did, like, a balloon kind of thing. I think if the hamster ball was well-designed enough, mm-hmm. it would, like, it would get all the air sucked out of it through that hole. It wouldn't, like, explode. So she wouldn't have those sunburns because the thing would just wrap her up. Hmm. Okay. She'd yeah. be exposed to a vacuum. I mean, she would, but it would be. I think it would be a lot more mild than it was. That makes sense. I also Part think that if it was a three-zippered system, she could have undone two of the zippers or one of the zippers. However, yeah. Um, put it in that gap between. And use that like a miniature... Or hell, if if she could tell Dale the plan... I mean, she could do this regardless. If she told Dale the plan, he could, like... She could pop the thing. He could take her back and be ready to take her back. So she would be exposed to less vacuum. Mm-hmm. And then use the thing as a lever. But I think it... Okay, but I, they've only got I forgot less than ten the, minutes at the point that... Yeah, I forgot the... the um, Thing had three zippers she could put it she could do like an airlock kind of thing where yeah that's she the word unzips one zipper puts the rod out rezips it and then dale opens it from the outside and takes it and rezippers it yeah so yep, i disagree I with this ending i disagree with this ending for other reasons given that that's the choice she made because she was she had 10 minutes and wasn't thinking clearly okay which is entirely valid as a a plot point this is going to happen i think it should have faded to black there i think so too i don't think she should have woken up 
you were talking before about this story that pulled on your heartstrings, and it did that. Um, this one, it, it, I actually started crying because I cared about Jazz and all of the bad things she had done. She kind of redeemed herself for by doing this. Um, it was a good redemption arc at the very end, and then it was over. And that's it. Should have just. We don't even know. Maybe it didn't work. Maybe they never got the oxygen back going. Colin sends her that email and says, hey, what happened? And then three weeks later, Colin says, what the hell? Oh, I I was thinking something similar. I was thinking that Colin, that we would then switch from Jazz's point of view to Colin's. Mm-hmm. That would have made and, sense, too. And then said something like, I heard Artemis got all its air back. Are you okay? Or something like that. Yeah. And then just the lack of reply would um, imply mm-hmm. that Jazz was not able to. Yeah, that that would have been a very good way to do it, actually. It's just uh, the letter from Colin and then an additional letter saying basically what you said. And then we're done. I think that Andy Weir just wanted to comment on late stage capitalism. And so he wrote chapter 17. <laughs> You know, I wouldn't put it past him. He's a opinionated. Yeah, and somewhat eccentric, from what I can tell. Mm-hmm. And I think he would write a book just to comment on something. I don't, I would not say that's something he wouldn't do. People died. There's no way that no casualties occurred. I agree. They had ten minutes left, and that was on a good estimate for the average healthy human. They had a lot of aging people with arthritic bones. That was a specific point that they made earlier. There's no way. And then at the very end, at the very end, she's like, hey, Colin, let's do some insider trading. And as many laws as you are outside of on the moon, insider trading is Earth illegal. Do not drag Colin into this. I mean, Colin's been smuggling taking part in a smuggling operation he's not he doesn't have his hands clean in this but yes i agree that just like hey want to commit some more crimes because it worked out so well last time yeah also don't admit to insider training over email i think that's something we can all <laughs> learn because nothing is encrypted especially, especially email not, when you yeah when you know that yeah. rudy could just check whatever he needs to for law reasons yes Law reasons. Yeah, there's not a court system that says Rudy needs a warrant. You can just peek. Mm-hmm. So right. final final review? Yep. Um, should we go out of five stars? Sure. Uh, Artemis gets four out of five stars for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if, if I can do points, it'd be 3.8, but that's close enough to four to be four. Okay. I was actually going a little higher than four. I was going to say four and a quarter or something or like that. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think the the whole the the story as a whole was good. It kept me going. I definitely wanted to keep reading. There wasn't some point where I just it was a slog. Um, some of the uh, his inability to write female characters, I think, is one of the biggest detractors for me. And then I am personally not a fan of the ending. But yeah, I the female characters wasn't as big a problem for me. Because I think that while there were certain points that Jazz wouldn't have done what she did because Andy does, um, because Andy Weir doesn't really do that very well, I think that 
most of the time her character was gender neutral. Like mm-hmm. the only time it mattered that she was female was that what was in her relationships. Mm-hmm. And those weren't the times that I was like, eh, that's not really something that people do, Andy Weir. It was the like the jokey bits, the um the self cleaning condom, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you got this far listening to us and haven't read it, uh, it sounds like we both would recommend picking it up. Uh, you kind of got a lot of the plot spoiled, so I don't. I think a part of it was that you wanted to figure out what would happen next when I was reading it. So maybe now it's too late. But uh, either way, we need to decide a new book to spoil for people who uh, <laughs> will listen along with us. Uh, and I think earlier we decided that book would be Turtles All the Way Down by John Green. Yeah, that sounds do good we, to me. Do we want a quick talk about Turtles All the Way Down before just signing off? Uh, like, what do you know about it? I honestly don't know anything besides... Okay, so I know the title comes from a theological discussion which plays heavily into Terry Pratchett's Discworld. And yes. also um, something about the notion of living a long time. Those are the two things that I have heard about it. Yeah, I I know the bit about Turtles all the way down. And I also know that it at least partially hits on John Green's own struggles with obsessive compulsive disorder. Mm-hmm. But that is the end of my knowledge as well. Yeah. Also, it's by John Green. And usually I have pretty good faith in john green's books yeah they tend to be decent uh i will also be reading a lot apparently alongside Stephen. what yeah they're they're real good those john green books all of them that i've read <laughs> they've all been real good uh steven that... hasn't read any john green books yet yeah which so... like it's fine that's you know you, you gotta get to books at some point but <laughs> i did i did just uh from what i've heard John Green books tend to be pretty good. They get turned into movies sometimes. Correct. Um, including Turtles All the Way Down. Uh, I heard John Green signed a movie deal. Okay, well, he signed a movie deal for Looking for Alaska, too. And where's that movie? Well, you know, Zach, it, the, the point is it's possible, I guess. I don't know what the point is. I think the answer is anyway. currently owned by Fox, but I... Anyway, I'm going to... Since I have never read a John Green book before, in preparation for reading Turtles All the Way Down, I'll be reading... Um, which one did you say I should read first? Uh, An Abundance of Catherines, maybe? Some people say that that is, like, his worst, but I liked it. Okay. I'd say that, or Looking for Alaska. Okay. But I think reading the one that is sometimes called his worst, while reading his newest won't like instantly turn you off of john green so you run less of a risk that way if you do read an abundance of catherine's while reading turtles all the way down okay then that's what i'll do i'm going to also be reading an abundance of catherine's if you want to do that also listener uh we won't be talking about it as much but i might make vague references to it because zach i'm sure it will yes because i remember all of the plot points you made it sound like you like enjoyed it enough to remember it yeah the shape of it i don't remember plots that's not a thing my brain is set up to remember 
Okay, fair enough. It's good because it means I can like constantly be surprised by rewatching the same TV show. But <laughs> so anyway, we'll be reading Turtles All the Way Down. Stephen will be reading an Abundance of Catherine's. I might be reading Abundance of Catherine's Cliff Notes to refresh myself. And until then, you can reach me on Twitter. I'm at the puns guy, and I'm at not Stephen Barry. See you in next fortnight. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.